everyone, and welcome to Root Tap Radio, the Green Witches podcast to all things flora, fauna, and spiritual. I am your host, Bree, and every week we'll cover topics to help feed you in knowledge and in spirit. Let me just start by saying I apologize if there's any uneditable cat shenanigans that are happening today, because apparently one of my cats is just on one today, and she thinks that she needs to be all over the computer and the microphone and the surrounding area so I'm so sorry if you have purring in your ear or anything that they might end up doing. (laughs) Uh, So I hope that you guys have been having a wonderful week and taking good care of yourselves since we last talked and that you've been having a a wonderful Sabbath on Monday. I hope that you all enjoyed having a guest on the last episode that, um, that would have been episode eight. I loved having Katie on and I hope to have more guests on the podcast. I'm still learning how to edit two lines from a microphone and I'd love to have more experts and authors on too. So I definitely have goals to have more people on. Speaking of goals, we are finally on Pandora. I have a vision board of my goals for the podcast. I've officially reached my goal of being on all the platforms I wanted. I'm so excited because I hear that Pandora is really hard to get onto. So thank you so much to my listeners for helping me get on there. And hopefully that will help us reach uh, more people and our community will grow. Also, in the past few weeks, I've started a new podcast with my friend Katie that you heard in episode 8, and our our podcast is called Baking with Booze, and that's B-O-O-S, not booze as in the drink, (laughs) which is about healthy recipes and scary stories. So if you liked our episode together, look for us on February 2nd for our first episode. This will be on Spotify, Anchor, um, most of the places that you guys already listen to me. So let's move on to the topic this week. Uh, This week we will be talking about the different methods of herb drying and how they compare to one another. I started this research a while back kind of as like my own curiosity, what was going to be the best way to do this. Um, because I see several different drying methods and I wanted to make sure that what methods going to give you the longest shelf life, um, are the nutrients going to stay in there, all that sort of stuff. I know that dehydrating your own herbs can sound like a daunting task with gathering, deciding which method, and ensuring you have a good yield for all your effort. There's a lot to think about in how you preserve them. Uh, Picking the correct method can make all the difference, and with the little research, I came up with some pros and cons for each method to help get the most out of your herbs. The four methods most used for drying are air dry, conventional oven, microwave or dehydrator. In each of these I focused on the ease of use, the herb vitamin potency after drying time, the time you will need 
to actually do the process, and the overall potential yield loss. The universal principle across these methods is that you want to get rid of as much moisture as possible before drying your herbs. So that usually includes blotting with paper towels and or harvesting after the dew is gone. So with this in mind, let's settle in, grab a drink, and let's chat. So the air dry method. Air drying is the original, the unwavering, the all these bundles make me feel like I'm an apothecary method. Air drying herbs in bundles or on screens is very easy. You just tie them together or lay them in a well-ventilated area with little sun exposure and check their progress every few days. The time needed, however, is certainly the longest at two to three weeks for a small bundle and because of this, there is the most potential for hazards like mold occurring. The dried herbs are good for 6 to 12 months, which is the longest of all of these methods, and retain the most excellent flavor. The only severe drawbacks to air drying is the time needed. You can only do small batches at a time, even with screens. It's not humid friendly, and there's the most potential for mold. The next method is conventional oven. Oven drying certainly speeds up the process. You can have a whole tray of herbs done in about an hour and there's not enough time for mold to be an issue. On the negative though, this type of drying calls for the lowest temperature and is, this often includes opening the door a crack which can be hazardous with kids or cats <laughs> of all kinds floating about. Also, there is the risk of burning the herbs if you're not careful or even just slightly too high in temperature can give an ashen taste to your harvest, which effectively ruins your efforts. The shelf life of these herbs is about six to eight months with oven drying. The third method is microwave. The newest, the fastest, and the most controversial method of all. Microwave drying speeds the process down to three minutes or less per batch. I was absolutely floored at how fast you could turn over entire harvest this way, though it doesn't come without risk. Burning can be done in a matter of seconds, so you have to be vigilant, like sitting there watching through the screen the whole time. And the shelf life is reduced to six months or less. Dehydrators are the last method used. Dehydrators are considered the quote-unquote proper way to dry herbs to which my inner forest green witch just with her tilted hut stuffed with herbs disagrees, but I digress. The dehydrator speeds up the process to roughly an hour, though some sources say certain herbs can take up to eight hours, which I mean, makes sense if you're drying roots, That's it's going to take longer. Um, and good quality ones have several trays. You don't risk burns or mold this way either, which is a huge plus. The only real cons to this method is how much dehydrators cost, like good ones. But they're well worth it if you're a frequent user, just not everybody can justify that purchase. These cost to a couple hundred if not 
couple thousand dollars dependent on the models that you're looking at so I would say for one with several trays that's going to be able to house your herbs you're looking at a minimum of a hundred dollars and the shelf life of these herbs is about 12 to 8 I'm sorry 6 to 8 months as well now I've talked about one of the criteria being herb potency in which I focused on how much the vitamins and minerals were lost in the dehydration process uh, sadly there's not much research done on the individual processes so I can't report much there but we do know that if dehydrating herbs in general can drop their vitamin count by more than 50%. So if it's potency you're after, fresh is what you're going to need. Based upon the research concerning microwaves and how they affect our food, I expect that the percentage is even lower. That method is even lower than any of the others, but there's no research to back up my theory yet. So there you have it. For those who already dehydrate herbs, what method do you, do you prefer? Do you, Have you experimented or you say to a single tried and true method? Let me know either by email or comments. I would love to hear back from you. So we're going to move on to our herbs of the week. This week we are covering comfrey and marshmallow. Comfrey is also known as blackwort, ass ear, bruisewort, bone set, knit bone, or slippery root. It's a feminine energy, a water sign, ruled by Capricorn, Saturn, and it is most often known to be paired with Moonstone. It's used for safety during travels, which kind of makes me think of St. Christopher if you're somebody who incorporates the Catholic saints into your work. Um, it's also known for real estate, property, protection from theft. Um, so it would be really good for four corner jars on your property. Um, you can put a piece in your luggage or your wallet or your purse to prevent it from being stolen. Um, putting a sachet in your car on the rearview mirror for protection, whether you're traveling or to keep people out of your car. Uh, you can burn it with mugwort for divination or releasing unhealthy relationships. Uh, can we just do all of that for all last year? That would be that would be wonderful. I would I would just like to put that behind us. It's also used for healing, luck, and meditation, and the deities most often associated with it are Oya, Chiron, or Hecate. A little quick spell that you can do with comfrey is to wrap a comfrey leaf around money for seven days before gambling to increase your luck. Next is marshmallow, or marshmallow root is what we most often use. Marshmallow is a feminine energy and it's a water sign. It's, it's under a water sign. It's most often used to make cough syrup or cough drops. It's used for protection, psychic powers, and is also known as Althea. You can burn it as an incense. 
it's used to calm an angry person uh, in protective oils, in spirit bottles, and it's used for honoring the dead. So that would be a really good one for Samhain or any ancestor work. It's really good for colds, bronchitis, and relieve skin irritation. Um, if you use it in a lotion or if you need to find a lotion with it, you want to make sure there's at least 20% extract in the lotion for it to work effectively. As always, our last segment is a famous witch in history. This week, our famous witch in history is Evelyn Underhill. Evelyn was born December 6th, 1875, and died on June 15th, 1941. She was an English Anglo-Catholic writer and a pacifist and made numerous works towards Christian mysticism. Um, her most famous book was called Mysticism, which was published in 1911. She had a lot of mystic experiences as a child, which led to her life's purpose. She married her childhood sweetheart, Hubert Stuart Moore, on July 3rd, 1907. They never have any children, but traveled a lot, visiting churches and monasteries. None of her family shared her interest in spirituality, including her husband. Eventually, against her husband's wishes, she became a devout Anglo-Catholic. Um, her spirit mentor was Baron Friedrich von Hugel from 1941, I'm sorry, from 1921 to 1924. She went to the King's College in London for history and botany with a doctorate of divinity, which was honorary for her being a woman, of course. She was the first woman to lecture clergy people at the Church of England. She was the first woman to conduct spiritual retreats for this church as well. She's the first woman theologian to lecture at a college and did so frequently. She's also a possible member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. This wasn't confirmed, but a lot of people say that she was, and it's very possible that she could have been. In 1939, um, she became a member of the Anglin Pacifist Fellowship and wrote a lot of anti-war sentiments. She is honored with a feast day on June 15th from the Church of England. There is a lot of works about Evelyn Underhill. She, as I said, made a lot of advancements for women when it came to mysticism and being a theologian. She was a very well-known author and I will put links in the show notes for all of her works. She was very much a go-getter when it came to her work. This was a very, very brief overlook at her life. There's just so much that this woman did. 
So if you're interested in learning more about Evelyn Underhill, or if you're one of the people who is interested in Christian mysticism, I swear one of these days I will be able to get that correct. Or if you are a Christian witch, she is somebody that you will definitely want to read more about. Like I said, uh, her information will be in the show notes. So that way you are able to look up more about her. Thank you all so much for tuning in. You can follow me on social media at root underscore tap underscore radio on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Check out my website at roottapradio.wixsite.com slash my site. Or you can write me at roottap underscore radio at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. I hope you have a beautiful week ahead. And until next time, merry part, my friends.